Today, let's talk about the physician as employee versus those who own their own practice or start a concierge practice. Now, this is not only for the person who is in healthcare who's thinking about where it is that they would best fit as an employee or as an owner of a practice, but also for those who are trying to decide, you know, what's the best source for me as it relates to a provider. Should I be looking for a provider who's an employee, a provider who's in a practice, or a provider who's in a concierge medicine organization? So let's think about the physician as employee. Well, no matter where you are, you're probably going to have a set of rules and regulations. But there's a spectrum for the person that's an employee. These are rules and regulations that have been set outside of you. So you don't have nearly as much autonomy. And unfortunately, there can also be the reward for mediocrity. Let me give you an example. A colleague of mine works for a very large organization, a national organization, who notes that there are algorithms that they have to follow. And unfortunately, they need to practice based on these algorithms. And there are providers who only practice using the algorithms, don't take the time to think a little bit outside the box, don't necessarily look at a patient as an individual, only as a number on a, a spectrum or a number in a study. And because of that, unfortunately, they do end up seeing fewer patients. Let's be honest, patients don't tend to want to see providers like that. They want to be thought of as as special, as the only, right? An N of one, so to speak. Well, if fewer patients see those providers, they ultimately end up doing less work for the exact same pay, enter in the concept of the reward for mediocrity. Now, that's not every employee in every organization, but in organizations that are fairly large that have these set standards, which again, it's kind of like cookie cutter medicine, wasn't eventually meant to be that way, but that's kind of how it ends up being. Well, there's less time for patients, and sometimes patients don't get the care that they need or deserve. And that can be quite frustrating, which is why many providers, after coming out of residency and and going into a practice for a hospital or a large healthcare organization, they'll usually tend to think about going into a private practice or maybe even a small group practice. Now, this is where they get to dictate a bit more how they want their practice to run. There's a lot more autonomy, but if they do take insurance, well, that's where the third party gets to enter in and basically create another set of rules and regulations and unfortunately third parties it also includes government insurers as well as private entities you can do a little bit more when you operate with medical cost sharing providers such as ShareCare or MediShare but we still are sometimes often limited by labels let's be honest insurance isn't going to pay for certain procedures or time spent with a patient unless it has certain codes or it has certain labels. Now in our practice we like to use Z codes and V codes which give a bigger picture, a better breadth of understanding about the individual patient. Unfortunately most insurers don't even look at those. And yes there are time limits. The national average for a large corporation is about seven minutes a patient. In a private practice you definitely can see patients much longer than that. But unless it's a concierge practice or private practice that operates under a concierge model, that old-fashioned model where, you know, you're basically taking as much time as the patient needs, you're, you're kind of at a disadvantage a bit from the provider perspective. Not always from the patient perspective, but definitely for providers that I know of that want to practice in a way that, again, keeps the needs of the patients first, they're either going to end up sacrificing themselves, which usually leads to burnout, 
or they end up oftentimes leaving the practice and kind of doing their own thing, which kind of brings in concierge medicine. It's not always your own thing because there are definitely some national organizations now that operate under the concierge model. And it does allow providers a lot more autonomy, more time with their patients, and usually there's less paperwork because insurance companies aren't directly involved. You do leave the patient up to the responsibility to decide whether or not they want to use an insurance company. So if they want complete confidentiality, an insurance company doesn't even come into into the equation. Now, automatically, when there's less paperwork, I'm not quite sure what the if there's a direct correlation between this, but I have noticed this in our practice. There seems to be higher patient satisfaction when they don't have to go through all the hoops or, or jump through all of the shenanigans that some insurers put them through. And there usually is less burnout for doctors because they're in a better place and they can provide better care the way we were trained to. Interestingly enough, I remember being in residency and I was in maybe my last month in residency and I up until that time I'd always done two hour evaluations for kids it would be two to three hours and if we were kind of in a pinch we could cut it down to about 90 minutes well again in my last month or two of residency I remember asking my residency director and then even a couple of my other supervisors how in the world am I going to do what people do on the outside of the Mayo Clinic? How am I supposed to squeeze an outpatient appointment into 15 minutes? And I remember saying, look, we've only got two months left of residency. When are you guys going to teach us how to do an evaluation in 15 minutes or in 30 minutes? And I remember very distinctly my provider saying to me, we don't believe in that model of care, so we don't teach that. And I remember being a little bit irritated by that because I was thinking, we're getting ready to go out into the real world, not just the world of residency. And that's where 15-minute follow-up appointments and 30-minute initial appointments are the order of the day. How and where were we going to be prepared to do it? The short answer of it is we weren't. Um, But the good news is I didn't go directly out into a regular outpatient setting. I actually ended up going into forensics. I started working out my very first uh, setting as an attending or as uh, the, the primary provider or supervisor of others was in the prison system where you get almost all the time that you need, in theory. And then I recognized that I was one of only one providers, one or two providers for an institution of 1,500. And I remember thinking very quickly, how do I do that 15 minute evaluation again? Yeah, lofty principles, lofty ideas. But I will tell you, that wasn't a good way to practice medicine. And now I definitely understand why our supervisors refuse to teach us that method because I really don't think you can provide good quality care in just 15 minutes unless it's with someone that you've known for years and years and years or you've been practicing with for a very long time and those are folks that know you and usually communicate with you outside of the office so a 15 minute appointment yeah it kind of sounds like 15 minutes on paper but this is a person that you might have daily interactions with either through the journaling or through information that they're sending you in our practice we have folks who will either email us text us send us a message through the patient portal they journal we're able to access some of that information with their permission of course and so I get real-time data on my patients on a daily basis so if they need to come in for a quick 15-minute visit I've actually been spending a little bit of time with them all week long so yeah I definitely can do a 15-minute visit in that case but if it's a patient I haven't seen in a month or two or ten 
yeah, not really thinking that 15-minute appointment is going to be the way. That's one of the reasons that I do recommend operating in either concierge medicine practice formally or under a national rubric that offers the, the ideal of concierge care. And last but certainly not least, the most important thing for me is that I find it very difficult to practice and infuse hope into my patients unless I know the source of hope. And it is a bit difficult in certain organizations to not be able to practice where I can at least share some things that are life-saving principles. For example, herbal remedies or natural remedies that I know are, are from ancient times, sometimes biblical times, things that we know now science has caught up to it, we know works. Well, in a concierge practice, I can talk about my faith very openly. My patients know that. They know that's the kind of practice that we run. Um, all of our providers, they already know that these are folks who are coming from a faith-based system. And we do have patients who are Christians, all the way out to folks who don't have a faith belief system that they ascribe to. They are still attracted to our practice just simply because we're able to be authentic and we're able to infuse that into our practice. Well, this is Dr. Bergina, and I hope this has been really helpful for you. Wherever you are going for your care, make sure that you are working with someone who's able to be as authentic as they possibly can and do the work that they were called to do. Again, Dr. Bergina, have a very blessed day on purpose. Take care. Thank you.